You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Curtain up, theater people, and welcome to Your Program is Your Ticket. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. Your Program is Your Ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, Your Program is Your Ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater in smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. Today's show is a follow-up to my Act Two Places series, where I brought on many, many guests to discuss how COVID-19 affected them and their organizations. As you all know, we got hit hard with a major change of lifestyle and business systems during this pandemic, and theater wasn't spared. In fact, theater has undergone one of its biggest shifts, if not the biggest shift in the history of modern theater. My guests on today's show are former panelists of the Act Two Places series. They are here to compare and contrast their experiences going through the pandemic and update us on how they are doing as we hopefully transition out of this pandemic, whatever that may look like. So let's bring them on. Hi, your program is your ticket alumni and welcome back to the show. Hey. 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 Hi. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. Glad to be back. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I'm glad you're back as well. And what I like about this is I see a lot more smiles than from most of you than the last time we spoke. (laughs) Now, I, uh, I, I'm, I wanted to get a group of you together and, and discuss how Things have uh, rolled out or transpired for you uh, as artists, as uh, uh, artistic directors, as people who run your your theater business, as teachers, and see where we stand. I mean, the the last time I interviewed all of you, we were in a, a very different place. Maybe it's not so different now, but maybe it is different, or maybe it's getting to be different in soon. I, I hope. Let's all cross our fingers for that. So... Um, I, I personally think that that there should be a, a collective uh, a conversation at this point because we've all been so isolated for so long that it's nice to get together and to talk and realize that we're not the only people who are having these thoughts of difficulty and 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 doom and things like that. I know sometimes sometimes I think I'm the only person in the world and that's not very good. You know my I'm very neurotic. What can I say? Very neurotic and anxious. So uh, let's have all of you introduce yourselves and tell us about your place in the world of theater. And let's start with probably the person who is my earliest guest like three years ago, Heather Cunningham. Heather, take it away. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Heather Cunningham. I'm the producing artistic director of Retro Productions. I'm also an actress and a sometime prop designer. Okay. Uh, let's bump across the top to Melissa. Hey, good morning, Sean. Thank you so much um, for including me. My name is Melissa Mishito. My pronouns are she, her. I am the founding artistic director of The Anthropologists. We are a New York City-based company dedicated to the collaborative creation of investigative theater. Uh, And so for The Anthropologist, I'm a writer, director, and producer. Very cool. I'm just going down to the next row, and I have Terry Knickerbocker. Terry. Take it away. Hey, Sean. Thanks. And as Melissa said, thank you for including me as well. I um, have an acting studio in Brooklyn, and I teach, and I coach actors, and I'm a sometimes actor and a dad and an expectant dad uh, seven weeks away. And uh, I have also have a son in third grade. Um, and I'm coming to you from Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Nice to be here. Very cool. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Wow. Now you, now last time we talked, you had, I think you had, was it your son? Yes. Who was walking in the room a lot. It was, it was adorable. It's very, very sweet. That that was one of the things that happens when you teach at home. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. Next to you is Rob Neal. Rob. Hey, it's good to be here with y'all. I am Rob Neal. I am the artistic director of the New York Neo Futurists, which is a dynamic ensemble of writer, director, producers who create immediate and uh, mutable art. Uh, we um, have been doing lots of crazy things, and I also perform with the group and write as well. Okay. My group ladies, take it away. Hi. Hi. There you go. There I'm Deborah Ballardini. I'm the executive director of Group.br, the only Brazilian theater company in New York City. And um, I am um, a performer as well and a coach. And I am in North Bergen, New Jersey right now in my confines. Okay, cool. Andressa? Hi, I'm Andressa Furletti, she, her pronouns. I'm a multidisciplinary artist and also co-founder and artistic director of group.br. Very cool. I, I love your name. I think I told you that before. Andressa Furletti, it just rolls off the tongue. Beautiful. Okay, Larry Little. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. My, uh, my name is Larry Little. I live in Chicago. My company, CPA Theatricals creates and develops new musicals for school-aged actors. All right. Very cool. Excellent. Uh, all amazing artists, all just just sterling people. It's, it's always been such an honor to, to, it's been such an honor to talk to you and those who have been on the show multiple times. It's always fun. Love it. Okay. Remind us of where you or your theater company or your theater business stood immediately after the shutdown where where were you what's what what was going on in your head and and what what did you do with yourself or your group or your business uh let's start with we'll go with rob hey uh yeah so we were in the we we produced the infinite wrench which 
we do 50 weekends of the year. So we were in production at the time and we're creating new plays all the time. So those uh, were about to go into a show that weekend uh, that we shut down. And we were also in the middle of auditions for ensemble members. So all that was put on pause. We quickly pivoted to create a podcast called Hit Play. Uh, originally, it was just to put on the plays that we hadn't done in the weekend that we shut down. And we continue to do that to create new audio experiments. Um, and we're in season two of that currently. We've maintained that throughout this whole time. We also uh, eventually, after working with the Orchard Project's Liveness Lab, we developed a live monthly show called CyberWrench, which had some pre-recorded uh, video play creations and also uh, a lot of live um, plays that we ended up streaming and having actual audience participation uh, live in the show. So uh, just kind of put a lot of things on pause and figured out with the constraints, other ways that we could have artists create and put the work out there or given that it was a lot of um, challenges for all the artists not put the work out there if they were feeling that they weren't ready to do more work. So we kind of let the team decide where they were individually. Hmm. Very good. Uh, Melissa, what about you? Yeah, I was, uh, I was about to go into tech for a show I was freelance directing in upper Manhattan. Uh, and at the same time, the anthropologist, we were, preparing to do a workshop and, and developmental reading of our new play, No Pants in Tucson at Hofstra University. And so, of course, everything stopped. I suddenly became a first and third grade teacher because my two children were now at home. So, Terry, you and I have a lot to talk about. Um, and we have other parent artists in the company, too, including my artistic associate. So it was a lot of, you know, commiseration and trying to figure out what to do. Um, so for the company, it was pivoting to online virtual rehearsals on Zoom and figuring out how we could continue devising and making an ensemble show as a group of now solo artists working in our own home. Um, but one beautiful thing that did happen was um, we just learned so much more about each other as creators and our other talents in terms of sound design and video editing and costume making, uh, and also began offering devised theater workshops uh, virtually, which has its challenges, but it also meant that we got to connect with students, um, college students, and some high school students around the country. So that was, that was um, really gratifying and exciting. And we've continued working on that show. And I, and I will also share, you know, we took that pause, if that's the um, terminology we want to use, uh, to not necessarily dive back into producing a lot, but taking that step back to get the macro view that you don't often get when you're go, go, go and in rehearsals and trying to also figure out how are we going to keep touring this solo show. Um, so, so we took a step back and we did a lot of internal assessments through an anti-racist lens within our company about how we're creating, how we're producing, uh, how, how we're operating as an organization. And so now we're at a place where we're starting to really um, be able to implement so much of what we um, 
talked about now that we are going back into live work? And one of the things that I like about the anthropologists is you're always revisiting. It seems to me like you're always revisiting your mission statement and uh, paying attention to society and where you feel that it needs to go and applying that to to your company. I, I very, very much admire that and i think it's i think it's great it's constantly thank you it's constant i think it's we all evolution it is indeed yeah. well then let's go down to uh to terry our expecting thank father you. thanks sean you asked uh where i was i was i thought i was on the brink of shutting my studio down because uh, I, as I, I think I shared when we spoke one-on-one, I just could not imagine teaching this embodied art form uh, virtually. And um, and then some conversations. I'm a member of a, a wonderful group called the National Alliance of Acting Teachers, which has members all over the country, mostly in universities, but, but some like me who have studios. Um, and we met on Zoom on that Saturday. I guess it was March the 13th. And it was there like, how are we going to figure this out? There were 70 of us on the Zoom call. And um, a lot of people felt the way I felt, like this is not possible. We could do table work, you know, for scene study, but we can't do full-on voice and movement and the physicality that happens in the theater. Um, and then an argument ensued between two teachers, uh, one from Vassar and one from Columbia. And we were all just sitting there with our mouths open. I was nervous because they're like, wow, we're supposed to be so collegial. And um, and then it kind of, the penny dropped for all of us simultaneously that that was the work. That in fact, it was moment to moment. It was alive. It was embodied. It was emotional. And some idea of how it could be done online as opposed to closing down and that it was a better time to train than to not train at all that it was better to be in community that it was better to do what we care about and what our students care about um and how much netflix can you watch do you know um and so we slowly began to figure out and called every one of our students uh, all of whom were mad and suspicious and frightened, and many of whom had left New York because they were paying for classes by being uh, in the service industry or babysitters, and there was no babysitting, and there were no restaurants or bars open, so they gave up their apartments and, and left, many of them. And cautiously, they said they'd try it. And so for 17 months, we taught online, even when my Last year, second grade son was back in person in New York City Public Schools. We were online. And last week, we had our first in-person classes again. And with masks on, but I swear to God, it was like an explosion of joy. Just in that space, you know, seeing people running in and dancing and moving and doing the work. And, and I think that the work happens well on Zoom, but gosh, it's so much better in person, even if you have a mask on. Kissing, of course, is a little bit complicated, but, uh, but, and I actually haven't figured that out yet, but, um, it's just wonderful to be back and to have made it through. And then sort of today we're, we're taping this, um, on the morning after the Tony Awards which doesn't include a lot of the makers here, I realize. Um, and we wouldn't have Tony Awards if it weren't for the makers who are here working on a smaller 
and more vital level. But gosh, to see that happen and to see the work and to see some of just, you know, see an audience full of people in masks, but seemingly overjoyed to be there. And I, I don't think it was a perfect event. Uh, and I don't think it necessarily represents all the people who need to be represented. But it felt good to be moving in, the, in this direction that we seem to be moving. Right, right. Uh, and it's, uh, I was telling everybody, I think before you came in, that I've seen three shows so far. And I just always think to myself when I'm sitting there with my mask on, wow, I took so much for granted before this. I really, really did. Just to know that I could show up and, you know, just kind of walk in and, 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 as I did before and, you know, have a soda and have a candy bar and sit wherever I wanted and not care. It's, it really has sort of shifted my paradigm as a, mm-hmm. a theater goer. Like your, your vaccine card is your ticket now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. I, uh, we might get into that a little bit later, <laughs> but I, I do have a vaccine card just for the record, everyone. I do. <laughs> Um, Can I just say, Terry, I loved how you said it's better to be in community. That was so beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's true. Uh, I know we went, David and I are in a reading and it was, we had our first live rehearsal a couple of days ago and everyone was like, hallelujah. This is the first time I've been in a rehearsal room and I don't know how long everyone was just elated and overjoyed. And it was very, very different than rehearsing in a Zoom room, you know. No shade to Zoom. They got us through, but, but there is uh, very much a difference. Larry Little, update us. Yeah, so when this, the pandemic hit, I was scheduled to go to New York and hand off my latest show to one of the major licensing houses. I had all these meetings planned with uh, on and on and on, and of course, it ha- happened and everything shut down, and, and I went into a deep depression like everybody else. And then about um, two weeks later, I got an email from a teacher saying, can't you help us out? Can't you create a, a Zoom show? My kids were scheduled to do Matilda. We had tech. We had a final dress. And we were just coming to open. And they closed us all down. And they're all depressed. And I said, I, I feel your pain. But no, I can't create a Zoom show. How do you create a Zoom musical? I've never done this before. Thank you very much. I wish I could help you. And I sat with that for a few days. And I met with my mentor. And he said to me, your answer to everything right now is yes. And I said, but how do you do this? I don't know what to do this. I can't possibly do it in time. And he said, figure it out. And then I realized, you know what? I'm a problem solver. I'm a good problem solver. So I took about a day to get angry over that. And then I woke up and I went, I think I can do this. And then, uh, I found out all of the writers that I wanted to work with, they all lost their jobs. So I got on the phone and I said, hey, you want to create a new show? And I'm going to pay you to do it? And they all said yes. And we created a Zoom musical in five weeks. Five weeks. And we were very, very lucky. It's played all over the world. Hundreds of licenses all over. Myanmar and Turkey and Ireland and Singapore uh, and we only did that because, A, we were really desperate and we were really in a creative mode and we did it all over Zoom, all over Zoom. And so we really lucked out. We really, really lucked out. We were really busy. We then created two more Zoom shows after that. 
Uh, we're still putting the finishing touches on the second one. On the third one, the second one, we're expanding actually to a live stage, stage production. But, you know, it, it was such a challenge and it was a mind over matter thing. I, I kept saying, I can't do this. I don't know what we're talking about. And then we just had to figure out it had to be all monologues because Zoom is so difficult with dialogues. And how do you do with the music? And how do you blah, 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 blah. But in the end, it came together and it worked. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Wow. Um, Larry's company is called CPA Theatricals. And FYI, Larry was a CPA before he started his company, which I think is great and probably extremely helpful in the world. It does help to know that business side. Wow. <laughs> okay, uh, Andressa and Deborah, go ahead. I'll jump right Hi. in first. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give. I'll, I'll try to give an overview, and then Andressa, you can jump in and um, you know ex- expand on that. But. Well, 2020, we have just, on March 1st, we can never forget, we had just finished, um, just done one of our biggest fundraisers, which is um, a Sarava party, a party that we do for like 600 people. And I remember March 1st, we were, I was going crazy because there was, you know, we were already talking about the virus, we were already talking about this pandemic. And I walked in into the the event with like hand sanitizer, bunch of wipes and bunch of things. And people are looking at me like, are you freaking out? What is that? I said, guys, there's a pandemic coming. <laughs> um, but we managed to do the party, 600 people. Um, and then um, we had a show coming from Brazil as well. Like it was our first, uh, you know, bridge that we were like um, – uh, we were bridging out with Brazilians, you know, to bring shows here and all that. And we were bringing Colony, which was uh, this show. And I remember Andressa was like completely ready to press the button for like social media, for everything, like to just announce that we were doing this. And uh, this was like March 10th or March 11th or something like that. And the minute she was going to do it, we just got a, you know, a message saying like uh, everything is closed, you know, it was connected to NYU and NYU was not bringing the show anymore. It was like this, this crazy thing. So we did have another party scheduled for um, June that same year for, you know, for fundraising as well. Um, but the biggest thing is that we were celebrating the centennial of our muse, Pledis Inspector. And we were, we wanted to bring this immersive theater back, you know, um, to celebrate her centennial. And we had to cancel that. This was, was our big thing of 2020 to, you know, celebrate the centennial of this amazing Brazilian um, author. Um, and we had to cancel. So it was pure craziness. Like we didn't know what to do. Do we do readings? Do we do, you know, what do we do? Um, but we did create a few things. We did like 33 weeks straight of readings 
to celebrate Clarice Lispector. That was one of the biggest things. And it was so amazing because it, it brought us even closer to our community in Brazil and here. And it also exposed even more of our work into the, you know, the, I shouldn't say the America, uh, Americans, but to the non-Portuguese speakers of, um, of New York or, you know, worldwide. Um, we also did, uh, Clarice's Day, which that's the way that we found to celebrate her centennial was a 16 hour straight from 5.30 in the morning up to 11, 11 o'clock. We celebrated her existence. Um, and that existence was through film, uh, theater, uh, dance, music, everywhere that her work could be you know, portrayed, we brought those people in. We had five panels, um, um, lives, everything. So it was just Andressa and I, Andressa doing all the tech stuff and I'm all dealing with all this other, you know, uh, connections. Andressa, tell us about the tech stuff. <laughs> Please. Because <laughs> <laughs> your show well, you like, did was super techy and I loved it. Yeah, like uh, just to clarify, like piggyback what Deborah is saying, like we have this show, we have this show called Inside the Wild Heart, which is a, an immersive show and it's very intimate and it's everyone in the house and the actors are really close to the audience. And that was the show that we had planned for bringing back in 2020. And of course, um, that, that would be impossible, right? But we have filmed this show when we did it in 2018. Um, so for these events that we had over Zoom every week. Um, and this show, Inside the Wild Heart, was based on the works of Clarice Lispector that Deborah uh, mentioned. So uh, this event that we, we had on Zoom, um, this weekly event, we were reading texts from Clarice Lispector. In the beginning, we always showed some images of the, of the show. And everyone was like, how can we watch it? How can we watch it? And we were like, how can we show it? Right? Because it was like a three story house where things happening at the same time. And the, the thing that the audience could choose where to go and how long to stay in each room and to follow an actor or not, that was a very important component of the show. So how do we put that on zoom? We kept like breaking our heads. Like, do we create breakout rooms and people ask if they want to go to another room and come back? You know, like we kept um, really trying to figure this out. And like in back in March, figure out Zoom was already complicated, right? It's like, right. what is this? Now we take it for granted. We come here, we know all the things, you know, how the audio behaves and right. how people talk and all the, the bugs and everything. But that was like, we had to learn all that, right? Um, and we kept wanting to, to do that show. Um, and then I got an invitation um, for to talk in an event called This Immersive Globe. Um, and they host it on the platform called GatherTown that looks kind of like a, um, a 2D 80s video game where, like, you get to this platform, you get a little avatar that can walk in a space, and that avatar can activate... A few things can activate to open a, a photo, can activate to open a, a film, a, a video and all that stuff. And when I saw that, I was like, this is it. This is going to work. I have to learn this. I have to sit down and understand how it works. Um, so I got on a call with them. And for my surprise, I can I could even synchronize the videos and have them play at the same time. So um, we added the all three floors in different videos. 
create this virtual house and had the video start like exactly the same time. So people would come in and walk into the house and activate the video and say, oh, let's see what's happening on the first floor. Let's see what's happening on the third floor. Um, so it was, like, it was like a huge challenge because like we're always multitasking as a small theater company, right? Like we, we have our titles in the company, but what we do is way beyond that. <laughs> and yeah. because I'm a more like tacky person, I was like editing the videos, synchronizing, creating the, um, the, the 2D model, um, uh, programming the, the platform and, uh, and all that stuff. <laughs> so it's a lot of new skills under my belt right now. <laughs> um, so that, that was one, one of the things we did, um, last year. We ended up doing it again in February and we ran for like a few months and it was very successful. And for the Clarice's day that Deborah was mentioning, I had to figure out how to stream from Zoom to YouTube to Facebook and Instagram all at the same time. So I had to learn OBS. So it is possible to do this, people. It's really complicated, but <laughs> you can do it. So yeah, I should say that I'm a very lucky person to have a business partner like that <laughs> because I would have been like, you know, not knowing what to do. Well, bring on Larry and you can, you can have a CPA too. Oh, and you can have an acting teacher as well, an acting um, professor. I wanted to add something else, Sean, just really quick. Um, that in the midst of all this, right, to figuring out tech and doing 33 weeks of readings and all that and trying to figure it out, um, we also created a fund because our audience, um, you know, we deal with immigration all the time, meaning uh, we are Brazilians. So, the, one of the first things was like, oh, my God, all our actors, friends, you know, that are Brazilians that are here and are in a different visa and maybe not able to stay or maybe they cannot go back to Brazil because of that. We also end up creating um, a fund for Brazilian artists in the state of New York um, to make sure that we, we would help these people as well. So it was a small, like, help, but everything that we would get, we will share with them. Um, and that made a very big difference as well. Um, our community opened up a little bit more because of the pandemic, I think. Uh, you know, it, it brought us close to people that we would never think that we would be close. Yeah, I think a lot of people were, uh, I remember uh, Rob when I, and, and Heather, don't think I forgot about you. I never forget about you. Um, I remember you saying that one of the first things that you did um, with the neos is that you put together like a phone tree and certain people were, res were responsible for calling people uh, or regarding like housing and food and just the, the general, you know, like needs of mm -hmm. human beings. And I, yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, not to preempt Heather, but uh, yeah. Yeah. The community, you know, Melissa and Terry were bringing this up too. The community was really important in how we are as the smaller community of our theater and then the community that we're performing in and like really having that outreach. And we also um, created an artist fund that allowed uh, neo-futurists to be supported, whether they were actually in some of the new digital media that we were creating or not. So every month people got at least something to help them along. And uh, the, the, that look at what our community is and, and how we can support it and strengthen our ties was something that, 
was kind of a theme through throughout. So, and, and I, I believe permeates what we do now, um, that we really, really mind and, and was important to not just the art we created, but the sanity of uh, our company during these times. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Miss Heather, your turn. Well, 2020 was supposed to be Retro's 15th anniversary. And I, I mean, I guess technically it was Retro's 15th anniversary. And having been uh, producing for 15 years and seen a lot of companies come and go in those 15 years, I thought, wow, that's something to celebrate. We made it to 15. Um, and we were going to celebrate by producing our first musical. We'd never done a musical. Um, and a musical is a really big undertaking, even when it's only six characters. So we had... Um, we were at the point in production where we were cast and we were doing, we took photos, we took press photos the day before the shutdown. And we had some sort of idea like, well, we could do this number of rehearsals via zoom so that we don't fall behind. But it became very, very obvious, very quickly that we weren't going into rehearsal. And this was your yes. good man, Charlie Brown, right? Your good man, Charlie Brown. Right, which which in itself is is a very sort of segmented show for the most part. And I'm sure even that was difficult just to figure out. We never got that far. Uh, um, we, were, we were several weeks out from our first rehearsal when shutdown happened. We had literally only taken photographs. Um, but we had done other producing you know, other production elements had, had been done. Um, a lot of money had been spent that couldn't come back, wasn't going to come back. Um, we had to let our amazing cast go, basically. Um, we thought for a while, well, we'll just press pause on this and we'll do the show another time. And uh, even now that theater's coming back, I am not comfortable producing a musical in the spaces as small as the spaces that retro works in. Right. Uh, even with six, only six characters, it just, the idea of spitting and sweating that close to someone else is, um, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, not just as an actor, but I don't want to be the producer responsible for someone becoming exposed. So, um, that, uh, frankly, in addition to the director no longer being available. Um, so we, we, we're not, I don't know if we'll ever get around to doing Charlie Brown. I, I don't know if that will ever, I don't know if we'll ever get the rights again. I don't know if we'll ever go back to it. I've got the props were done. I've got the props <laughs> in my parents' basement in a stack of boxes. But, um, you know, we, we were, we returned what we could. We tried to get as much money back as we could. We've got, you know, some credits around town for, rehearsal spaces and other things. Um, but it became very obvious that Charlie Brown wasn't going to happen. Yeah. That if I'm being a hundred percent honest, put me into a pretty deep depression. It was, I was, I did not pivot, uh, well, the way everybody else, at least on this panel seems to have pivoted. Um, I, it took me a long time to even consider doing something. Um, when we finally did, we did a, a one night only live zoom reading of the man who came to dinner as a, as a, a fundraiser because we had lost so much money on the show that we couldn't do. Um, as I'm sure many, many, many companies did. 
Um, and we managed to recoup a little bit and I managed to put a couple of dollars in a few people's pockets because of that. Um, and I had to learn how to use zoom too. Um, and we weren't even doing anything that technically difficult. My stage manager was a godsend because she figured out how to connect zoom to Q lab. Don't ask me how, I don't know, but it's fair. It's possible. She it's did not it. easy. It's not easy. I was, in, <laughs> I was in a reading and we had a stage manager who like just could not had the, the hardest time grasping it. So, you know, uh, I don't know how she did. She figured it out. I don't know. God bless her. I was like trying to figure, I was like, Oh, well, we'll, you know, we'll do Foley effects. We'll do them all live. You know, what is it? There's only like the phone ringing and the doorbell. Like we don't have to. And she was like, no, 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 I'm going to figure it out. And then she figured it out. So it'd be like um, ding dong. And then 30 seconds later, ding dong. I mean, really, it was so really complicated. Um, we actually text man who came to dinner before we ever had a table read for Man Who Came to Dinner, um, which was a very unusual backwards way of doing things that we never thought would be, you know, but it was necessary to figure the QLab stuff out. Um, and she, But she figured out, like, exactly how many seconds that delay was um, <laughs> so that she would know when to, when to go, basically. Um, and we provided costume pieces and props, a handful of props, and, and we put together, I don't know, that was, like, 15 or 16 actors. That's a huge show. And most of the, and a, a number of people played multiple roles. Um, and it was a lot of, I mean, it's a show. I, one of the reasons I chose it was because it was a play that I could in a million years would never be able to f- produce physically on stage. In right. a retro. It's, it's perfectly the kind of show we do. It is such a huge, expensive, gigantic show. If, if you don't know it, um, it's a big just cast. props alone and the cast. Yeah huge it's like 20 plus uh, characters um it's it's very much you know your typical 1930s 40s broadway comedy right um and we had a blast doing it um and that is that is the only thing retro has done um and i have enjoyed some time off to really um regroup and think about what i want to (laughs) do frankly um and it's it's not Zoom theater. I don't I don't want to do Zoom theater. So um, we we will recommence producing live in 2022. Um, okay. And that is that is just where we are and where I am. And I have I made a decision a couple months ago, which is um, that I am going to treat every show like it's the last one I'm ever going to do. So there may never be another one past the next one. And I'm okay with that. Um, at at this point in time, I just I've watched people rush back into producing, and I've re- I've watched people cancel shows because actors got COVID, and I'm just not willing to be that producer who puts people at risk. Um, and so, um, and and I'm not I'm not judging the people who rushed back into it. There's there's um, a passion there that I admire that um, that I kind of feel bad that I don't have. Um, but, uh, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not even ready to be an audience member inside a theater. And and I know a lot of people have, have, you were talking about seeing three shows since Broadway book opened up and I'm just like, I'm not ready, um, to sit in a theater with people who say they're vaccinated, even in a mask. Like I'm just not ready. Well, so, you have to prove it when you walk in. You have no, to. No, I understand that. Yeah. I understand and they, that. And they took it against your ID, just, yeah. just to clarify that. And No, I um, understand all of that. It doesn't make me emotionally ready to do it. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember you when were. When I talk of, about that deep depression, yeah. <laughs> I'm still kind of coming out of it. Like, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm, it, 
depression's a funny thing and it shows itself in very strange ways. And I, and, and it's not real and it is real at the same time. Right. Like, you know, that, that sort of, um, that phrase depression lies. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can know, I know, I understand I've got a vaccination card and everyone else in this room has got a vaccination card and they've proved it and they've checked it against IDs and everybody's wearing a mask. And yet I'm still sitting here in a room with a lot of people I don't know. And it creeps yeah. me out a little bit, right? Heather, I, <laughs> if I can just say thank you for sharing that, because I think that so many people um, are afraid to be as transparent as you. And as much as many of us, you know, we, we all learned some new skills and did things that we didn't think we would ever do. The past year and a half was filled with so much trauma for all of us. And we can't forget that. And you're right. There's a, there is a big difference between being safe according to CDC guidelines or whatever, you know, and, and feeling safe and feeling taken care of. And my day job not for nothing is a healthcare organization. So I see, you know, both sides of all of it. Yeah. Like I, I don't, um, you know, cause I do have a day job and it is the reason that I have, you know, I've been very lucky in this last year and a half to have uh, regular income, but I also, you know, I also, I see how bad it's been uh, in, because I can't hide from it because I work for a healthcare organization. Yeah. You know, if I didn't work for, for, for this organization, it's entirely possible that I'd be able to, you know, close all that out and ignore it. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. I wanted, I want to make an observation about you, Heather. You're one of my first friends here uh, in New York and, and on the podcast. And I know how committed you are. And I know that that is not a light and easy thing for you to say. And I only believe it about 20% because <laughs> of the fact that I know as soon as things get a little bit better, it's going to happen. Um, I, I wanted to ask, ask all of you, because I was just thinking, if anybody else had this feeling, I'm one of those people that like when trauma happens, I immediately, I'm, you know, I think I'm Superman and I deal with everything and I'm fine with it. And now that things are lightening up a little bit, I'm feeling it. I'm having like a delayed reaction. Is anybody else going through that? Like, I'm just like, oh, everything's better now. And okay, here comes the depression and the, what do I do? And I've, I've done pretty well over it. So has anybody else had that syndrome? Yeah, uh, uh, I'll second that, Sean. I think uh, last year we were such in survival mode, you know, and such like, do, 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 like, you know, like, and... Uh, and uh, my husband is a scientist, he's an immunologist. So like we became like the hub of information for so many people. So like, I, I feel that like we're kind of like trying to hold together as much as possible. And I, and I assume that like 2021 hit, like I felt that it was going to be this like total release, but to me it was a total collapse. It, it's as if all the, the, the trauma and the tiredness and all those things like hit and I just went like, Bruh. and I'm, I won't say that um, I stopped doing things um, because I kept like pushing myself. But if, uh, to me, it feels that it's harder this year than it was last year. Somehow, I think like just carrying this trauma and, you know, just being exposed to so much pain and so many people losing family members and, you know, all this like, 
you know, health and political scenario, you know, like in Brazil, it's, it's so crazy right now. So, yeah, it, I, I, I agree with you. Wow, that's a lot of different points of view that are filtering into your world. That's that's, you know, again, I I think I'm the only person going through it, and you say something like that, and there's a, so many other things to consider, and people having children, and 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 by the way, Terry, I can watch a lot of Netflix. I really can. So I can swear I. To God. <laughs> I know it's well, really. Bad. I enjoyed. I actually enjoyed catching up on TV that I wasn't seeing. Because I either was in rehearsal or going to see shows or, you know, you have kids and you're like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. I need to just go to bed. You know, so I I did enjoy catching up on on TV. (laughs) This is how my depression uh, tends to show up, right? I want to go to bed at 930 and I don't have children. It's not like I just I could sleep all day. I could lie in bed all day. I could be on the couch all day. That is not, it's not healthy at all. And it's, you know, um, you know, part of, part of what happened with, with, with me and with many people, I'm sure in New York city who live alone, I live alone in an apartment Mm. and I couldn't leave the apartment without a mask. So I would not leave the apartment. Um, you know, and it wasn't until the August, um, when I, I went down to Virginia for three weeks, my, my best friend li- and her family live in Virginia. And I, I swear she saved me by, by having me down there. Um, because I could, I could work remotely. I mean, my, my job had gone remote, um, out of necessity. Um, and I could sit in her backyard without a mask and breathe fresh air and be in the sunlight and, and those things that I couldn't do in New York city. Um, and that, that's what started to like kind of move me through a little bit. But 2020 was supposed to be this big banner year for me. I had all this stuff. I mean, it was Charlie Brown. It was our 15th anniversary. Yes. But outside of all of that, a movie that I had been working on for several years was like probably going to shoot that summer. I had a friend's wedding that I was attending. I mean, there were all, you know, there was, there was a work trip, all of this stuff. And it was all back to back and it all went away that's in a matter so much of weeks, days. Right. And so I felt a lot, like yes. I was in mourning yes, even even before I started processing death around me. I was already in mourning, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it was, it, you know, it stopped me a little bit in my tracks and it took me a couple of months to like, you know, move again. And once I started moving for a while, it started to feel okay. But then it's, but then, you know, there would be a wave that would hit and I would be like getting knocked down in the ocean a little bit. Um, and, and, uh, it was, I, I told well, this tricky and you, and, and I, you know, I'm sure that I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one. You're not. Um, no, and you're not. so, you know, uh, it's, I guess, I guess I feel like it's important to talk about it and, and thank you for thanking me for talking about it, but I don't feel like I need thanks to talk about this. Like this is, we all have to talk, but we all have to be straight up with each other that we're all going through this. It's the only way we're going to see, see it to the other side. And when I started to thinking, started thinking about producing again, it was actually, my father had had um, a surgery and he was in the hospital. I went to visit him in the hospital. Um, He's doing great, by the way, there's no, there's, there's no um, dire end to that story, but he asked me while I was visiting him in the hospital. So what are you going to do next? And I was like, are you kidding? I'm not, I don't know. And that's what started me reading plays again. I hadn't read a play in a year. You know, I just I, like, I couldn't, I couldn't put myself in that sort of pr- process again. 
Um, and then, so I, you know, I started slowly going through the sort of, you know, what's on the bookshelf, what, you know, searching for plays, doing all of that stuff. And then, um, you know, and then, and then I realized, well, I can't do anything until showcase code comes back. Right. That's a whole nother ball of wax for those of us who, uh, you know, I don't know if we want to get into that today, but, you know, and then it was, so it was like, I can't even book a venue until I know for sure I'm going to get, you know, be able, if equity is going to allow me to do this. Um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to stop you right there. Are you all hearing what I just said about Heather when I said I know her and I know that immediately when she can, she will? Because And and I, I want you to know that I am so proud of all of you that that I know the pivot. I mean, Heather, you, you were very candid about that. That pivot did not happen right away for everyone. That pivot, and if if... If you didn't hear that, then when this show posts, I want you to go back and listen to this because everybody that talked about it talked about being challenged and how hard it was. And, um, and it, it was just a lot of, oh my God, what the F are we going to do now? And that's, I'm hearing that from all of you, but I'm also hearing that you saved yourselves. You saved all the people that, that count on you as leaders. And um, you've you've saved your theater companies, and I just think that that's like so cool. It's inspiring, and um, and the more I'm listening to you, the more you all are sounding the same. Like you all went through that and did that, and it's it's just super cool. Uh, Rob, did you want to say something? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> Looking at how we used to see ourselves before the pandemic, one of the things that we said as neo-futurists is that we'd like to embrace chaos. And in this pandemic, we learned we don't like that that much. This, <laughs> this, is, this was chaos wow. at a level that we don't like. And having yeah. those... Sorry, don't mean to laugh. No, it's, it's, it is. It's like having those baseline <laughs> things, the baseline assumptions that we all create under be utterly destroyed. Like that takes time. And one of the things that we collectively realized in our company and as theater makers is that, that everybody's on their own schedule and you have to figure out what, where you can find your calm, where you can find your breath and not always be doing things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, what I liked about what Heather said, like going to Virginia and being outside, like finding that connection we, we would plan trips where we would socially distance, just walk through the woods as close as we could find a woods to New York City. Yeah. Just to have that, those moments of like, we're not trying to do anything but survive. Right. And reset and, and, and support each other. And, and you know, this, this kind of chaos, no one's set to be able to handle, especially um, just like as an individual. It's like finding those people that can really support you. And as leaders, we're called upon to support so many people. So where do you find time for yourself to do that? And how do you react to that? It's, it, was, it was a lot. Yeah, that's, was a- that's, that's so interesting that you found that one of your, you know, one of your tentpole tenets, if you will, of, of your organization got, really got challenged in a big way. And uh, I know, I'm pretty sure, that the neo-futurists are going to be writing a play about that eventually. How many plays have you guys written? Tell me again. Um, over 6,500. Most of them short. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild. And, 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 and um, 
that's a, a very cool observation. I like that. That was, that was great. Um, where do you think, where do you stand currently now that we're hopefully moving out of the pandemic? Uh, let's go to you, Terry. Um, I was just thinking, listening uh, to folks before I answer that question, that I think this has created a tremendous opportunity for all of us to become more resilient and flexible. Uh, and, and since improvisation is really at the heart of what all of us do, I think everyone on this panel, I mean, I'm thinking about what Larry's mentor said to him, figure it out and say yes to everything, uh, including Virginia, including saying, no, I have too much on my plate, you know, um, um, that capacity to figure things out, I think will stay with, with us as we go forward. I'm imagining, you know, um, um, where I am right now is um, cautiously optimistic uh, because um, I don't think I saw uh, the Delta variant uh, kicking us in the pants the way it did. You know, back in the end of July, I was at a we had our first out we had our first outdoor group event at a bar in Brooklyn that had an outdoor seating. And none of us wore masks. We were all vaccinated. And this one person came in with a mask. And I thought to myself, dude, you're weird. And then we found out the next day that somebody had gotten COVID and tested positive who was vaccinated. And it was a breakthrough infection. And I was like, okay, that was stupid. And we all got tested and nobody else had it. So, but there are all these other variants, Mu and Lambda. And, uh, you know, I, I don't quite know where things are going to ever, I mean, I'm just longing for the day where we don't have to wear masks anymore, but I don't know when that is. Um, and, and that would be sad if it's a forever thing. I don't think it will be, but it's been much longer than any of us anticipated. Meanwhile, there's work to be done. And um, it seems that the theater wants to make work. I know for a fact that film and television has never been busier. Mm-hmm. When I talk to agents um, of some of the people I coach, they have never been busier because there's such appetite, speaking of Netflix, for content. And so everyone, every project, that, you know, writers' rooms were completely operating throughout the pandemic, generating content, waiting for the time when sets could happen again. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, at the same time, I, my business is down by 40%. Um, so 40% fewer people are committing to train to act right now, which doesn't make business sense because there's a lot of work to be done, but it makes economic sense and just like depression and nervousness sense. I think people are still very nervous 
I'm nervous. There's that do-si-do when you meet someone and you want to hug them, but then you're not sure. It's like, yeah. um, you know, I got a pandemic dog and that's been very helpful to get me out of the house. And there was definitely a day because I would see people out on the street and I'd be wearing my mask outdoors. And then somehow that day passed and now nobody outdoors in my neighborhood is wearing a mask when we walk around and except maybe kids on their way to school or the, but not, when I drop my son off to school we have our masks on so I don't know I'm cautiously optimistic that's where I'm at and and really want to keep training and it's and it's joyous to do so very cool um Larry let's kick that question to you cautiously optimistic is it is it for certainly for me and my stuff because we work with kids, you know, it's hard. So I'll, I'll, we, we just finished a show called Miley Chase the Science Ace, and it was designed for middle school kids. And that's right in that gap, you know, 12 and up have the shot and 12 below don't. But, you know, my God, they're still doing performances fully masked, fully masked, socially distanced staged. You know, and I, I, I see them on Zoom. I've, I've gone to uh, two of them uh, live. The whole audience is masked. Everybody has to do this. But, you know, so so these teachers and kids are still dealing with this craziness uh, that the adults at least have had their doses and all that. So we're on the brink. We're on the brink. You know, uh, one of the shows we did was for high school, college. Um, uh, and we were lucky. We were able to give about 100 artists money. Last year, we were really, really lucky to pay about a hundred artists for developing these shows. But now we're kind of at that brink because we're still waiting for the kids to be vaccinated. But I am cautiously optimistic as well. Very cool, um, Deborah and Andressa. What do you feel that you've learned overall from going through this experience? Um, what will you take with you into the post-pandemic? world variants be damned um <laughs> i think we could write a book about this yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep it short for the for the for the sake of everyone listening like it, just a few things that come to my mind um i think never take for granted a hug or holding hands or being together in in the same space um I think this is something that, you know, we never we've thought about so much, you know, especially us Brazilians, like we're, um, we grow up hugging everyone, right? Like we, we see someone for the first time when we introduce, we go like, mwah, 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 three kisses on, on, on the chick. And then five minutes later, if you say goodbye, you like, you hug and that's your best friend. Um, and this, this distance, you know, like sort of like not taking for granted this and also, um, I think uh, um, I think it was Terry that mentioned about resilience and being able to reinvent. Um, I did not know that we we could do that so fast, um, and somehow that's really inspiring for me for other issues we have all over the place that we can we can come up with urgent solutions and reinvent ourselves and and do other things. You know, like. If we think about climate change, there's also like urgent matter and we keep kind of like postponing, taking real action about it, you know, like that, that gives me some, some hope. So yeah, I'll 
I'll leave with that for now. What a, a great way to, to express that. It's, it, 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 it's like, you know what? If challenged, you can rise to it. And that could be applied to so many other things, so many other challenges that are happening and occurring right now. And we can do it. We're not that uh, apathetic. We're not that lazy. We, we can step up and figure it out. Definitely. Uh, how about you, Deborah? What do you want to take from this? I know, there's so much that goes on in my mind now. I'm still like back into your observation about the delayed reaction, um, the delayed, you know, depression. Um, and and I, I feel like we, we are at least me, like I'm so much in a bubble sometimes, you know, I don't live in New York city. I live in North Bergen have my backyard, have like, you know, my, my, my little, you know, spices in the back. And it's like, oh, okay, well, we're in quarantine, but yeah, I'm very privileged. <laughs> you know, I have my little house. It's okay. Um, that, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm don't, I'm not looking out there, but you don't really know until you feel it. And I, it gives me a knot in my throat because I really felt this year, all this depression that you were talking about, Heather, I felt this year, and it really hit me even worse when I went to Brazil to um, to uh, for my father's passing, which was about a month ago. And that's when I had to get into the airplane. Is that you know when you have to have your COVID test? It, like it, things become much more intense, and um, I am the type of person that is very systematic. I am a day, a week, a month ahead and not knowing, not knowing. This is, I think that's where we all are. We don't know. And not knowing it is really, really tough. So we are really putting right now, we are being tested. Our improvisational skills are being tested to the bone. (laughs) And, you know, what Terry said about this is improvisation. It's the core of what we do, but we don't really know until we have to be on that, you know, metaphorically in this life stage and going through the not knowing what the next line is going to be, what the next variant is going to be, what the, you know, are we wearing masks? Are we not wearing masks? You know, I'm a COVID compliant officer, but then it's like, yeah, you took your certification. You're cool. But now you're like, you have to keep up with all this information that keeps changing all the time. So to the answer to your question, definitely I echo all Andres's um, words, um, resilience, flexibility, um, you know, I, I breathe. I had to breathe a lot. And I think that that's where we are right now. It's try to live in the moment. Uh, I'm going to go to one of the most organized people I have ever met in my entire life, and that's Melissa. Now, Melissa, did you feel? I, she's looking at me. Give she's me your very humble eyebrows. She's very, very <laughs> humble, but she's she's super, super, super organized. Um, Thank you. Do you do you think that? As somebody who has that mindset, a lot of people have said that that occurred. Did it change that? Did did you go into super organization mode? Um, people are talking about their pivots. What was yours like? It was it. 
Uh, well, I, you know, I think there were a lot of ebbs and flows, um, especially once getting past the this, I wouldn't say denial, but like n- we didn't know when the shutdown happened, what was about to come in terms of how long and intense this period would be. And so, yeah, I, I you know, as I'm thinking back hearing all of you speak, there, there were pockets of this past year that were really tough, especially I, for me, it hit even just last month when, when, with Delta's arrival and just thinking, oh my gosh, you know, how, how is this going to play out in, in the long term? And here we um, go again. <laughs> Right. Uh, and, and Heather, I hear you, like it is a very intimidating place to be as a producer, right? To think about like, what scenarios are you creating for people and, and not wanting to take that mantle of responsibility. So our company, you know, we've had many, many conversations about COVID safety, comfort levels, what we felt comfortable doing what we could do as a company to keep people safe. Um, ultimately, you know, while we did do a lot of digital programming last year in the beginning of this year, um, and I will say, like, I, I, I felt like, I, you know, I've been the artistic director of this company now for 13 years. We turned 13 this uh, past spring. And this was the year, thank you, I see some snaps. Um, this was the year... You know, maybe it goes with like, you know, you're 13, we had our bat mitzvah, feeling like adults, I don't know. Um, but I felt like I came in, like arrived at a new place as an artistic director. Not, not just as an, not even necessarily as an artist, um, but as an artistic director, as a leader, like trying to create new opportunities for artists, trying to take care of artists in the right way. Um, on an individual level, food, helping with money, and especially those first few months. Um, but also just thinking about, you know, what what does our company have room for? It had room for a lot more than I had envisioned before. So that was really exciting. Now, we have this show that we've been working on for three years. Um, there is the very real... <laughs> fact of grants expiring at the end of this year that have informed decisions. However, I think because we had already had a lot of these conversations going on about, you know, what was safe and right to do, um, we feel really solid as a team starting to go back into live work and, you know, masked. Obviously, everyone's vaccinated because we're here in New York. We had already made the decision. We were only working with vaccinated people. Uh, we have a COVID safety officer. We have we just distributed at-home tests um, to people yesterday to supplement our weekly go-get-tested. It's it's a lot, and the we do feel this sense of um, urgency around the subject matter of the show that we're doing. So that is also propelling us. I, I don't know what, what we would be doing if we didn't like right before the shutdown happened, we were awarded a major grant, like major funding for this show, which was beautiful and hard to celebrate. Right. Um, and without that, I don't know where we'd be because we've really, that's been our like foundation. I've heard a lot um, of that. Like a lot of people would just, you know, they, they, 
they made it just in yeah. time for grants and it's safe. Right. You know, it's, it's so tricky because on the one hand you're like, okay, that can't dictate what we do, right? I don't want to make a decision based on that that is going to have negative repercussions. On the other hand, I'll just say like as a small organization, having grants delayed and then an extra year to be writing more grants, we have more of a funding, like a foundation of grant support now because we had that two-year stretch. Now, our budget grew a lot because we really committed to paying people competitive fees. So we're still not there. We have a gap. We're we're opening in six weeks. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> we, have a, we have a lot of work to do, but we have an amazing team that's ready to tell these stories that that really do uh, where I feel like they do have to be told. So I, I told you she was organized. She's always like, well, this she's I, always I got, mean, I, I, I'm like, this she, is organized. I don't know. There's things, there's things that, that could be better organized. And I, I, I do feel like sometimes we're stretching. Like I want to do more than a company our size could do. Um, but we've been able to like grow our team this past year and a half. So there's more people taking on different pieces um, and, and also allowing people to grow into new roles. So that's exciting. And just to not be like mysterious about it, this show, No Pants in Tucson, um, we're looking at uh, laws from the late 1800s and basically asking, like, looking at today with attacks on reproductive rights and attacks on transgender rights, it all started in the 1800s with laws against cross-dressing. And so we've been mining archives to look at a whole host of stories of women and gender expansive people who are constantly getting caught up in the law because they wanted to wear pants and looking at how that is connected to 2021 has the most proposed legislation in terms of anti-trans legislation and, and anti-abortion 2021. And these fights started 150 years ago. Um, and we have an incredible team, a women led team, we have non-binary and transgender artists as, as part of this work, both um, in for the live production and also a digital steer- series that we've commissioned artists to create short form pieces, however they, whatever medium they want, but digging into our research archives for the show. Um, so uh, the next two months are going to be really challenging and really exciting. You but number do- one priority is absolutely health and health and safety. Health and and we're safety. taking that extremely seriously. And for people, you know, when we last spoke to you, Sean, when when you invited um, myself and other company members to chat, we were talking about access and how you know being able to share our process over Zoom and 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 start creating digital work to share over. The internet, you know, opened up our audience and gave more access. And, and we're definitely still prioritizing that, whether it's through a filmed on demand or live streamed version of the show, which we will have, or by budgeting for ASL 
uh, and closed captioning services so that whether you're in the theater or you, whether you're in New York and, and you are, you do want to come to the theater or you don't want to come to the theater. We're, we're really trying to broaden access to, to the work across the board. Wow. I just want to say one thing for the record, Sean. You're right. She is very organized. Yeah. <laughs> little I know you. All right. I'm just going to own it. I'm going to own it. Thank uh, you. Uh, yes, own it. Because the little I know you, I've seen it and I love it. That's for the record. Thank you. Um, well, we have to, to wrap up uh, pretty quickly here. First, I'm going to say, uh, Deborah, did you say that your father passed away? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. My condolences. Oh, That's, thank you. That had to be horrible going through all of this and that too. So I'm very sorry about that. That's, that's awful. Um, okay. I am going to toss our last question to Rob Neal. Rob, where do you think theater stands overall as we transition into this post-pandemic world? I know you have a very specific type of theater that you perform, but your eyes are everywhere in theater. Um, where do we stand all combined? Oh boy. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a, a, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge question. And um, I'm honored that you're asking me to kind of take a stab at it, but um, com- all combined. I, I mean, I think listening to what we're all doing just in this podcast and this zoom room and this talk right here, like it's about, what we've what we've learned when the base givens that we thought we created by have changed what we what we've learned and then taking those and applying them in the way that you can and that's not the same for everybody that that our companies our people in our company neo futurists people in your companies um have different responses and those responses are valid and you have to take those into consideration um so how do you put that into like creating theater? I, I'm not a hundred percent sure how everybody does. I think being nimble and flexible is really important. Really embracing the community and supporting each other, uh, whatever that means for individuals, because their needs are people's needs are so vastly different, and and not. I mean, yes, saying yes, like like Larry's. Um, manager said, like, yes, saying yes, but also being able to say no uh, is important as well. And in that, finding the way that we can create together in a healthy way, right? I think I, you know, we, we opened the Infinite Wrench, um, uh, well, we're back in the theater as of two weeks ago. And just seeing how people as a community in a space behave similarly to what it was pre-pandemic, but also vastly differently is important to note indeed how and how we can create and and put things out there safe as safe as possible there's going to be risk and 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 everybody's response to that is 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 important and and personal but putting that in there so we can have those moments of of being together in the same room as best we can now i i have to say i've sat in shows and not always since since theaters reopened and not always felt comfortable at how proximate everybody is. So how do we adjust to that? How do we honor that response and still create things? Um, and 
and in the end know that it really is about the community that the art is being created for and in. And those are not just the little companies, but the broader context. And that we're, you know, as I think this really came true in the, we're all in this together and we have to not just look out for our own interests, but look out for other people as well. So the collective we, mm. yeah. all of us together, uh, trying, helping each other, um, and not just to, not just physically helping or financially helping, but mentally helping and, and, uh, letting everyone know that you're not alone. Mm. Uh, we're not alone. Uh, theater is a very, very resilient and, and scrappy art. And, um, I am, I am proud to be a theater artist and I am proud as hell of all of you. And the way that you all just, no matter how difficult it was for you, you have all, you're all outstanding, wonderful leaders. And you took, you took a big pile of crap and you turned it into something beautiful. Well, that's probably not the right thing to say, but you know what I mean? You took something that, that was, okay, let's just say a big pile of crap was dropped into your lap and in the middle of your stage. And somehow you made it beautiful. Somehow you made it gold. And that's, it's hard enough just to run theater businesses and theater companies, um, much less have to run it under these circumstances and change everything pretty much about the way that you work. And that takes leadership. It takes smart minds. It takes people who allow themselves to process through it and know that at at the, on the other side of that, they're going to, flip and they're going to pivot. And I want you to know that it's been an absolute joy and an honor for me to have you on the show and to all talk to each other and just to hear pretty much what I, I think are so many similarities. It's, it's just been wonderful. So thank you everyone for being on the show. You're all amazing, smart, brave artists. And I wish you many, many broken legs with your piece of theater as we navigate our way back to normalcy whatever that may be. Have a great day. Hey, thanks, Sean. Thank, thank you. you thanks so much for thank having us, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice thank to you, meet Sean. everyone. Yeah, nice to meet everyone. Congratulations and, you know, keep strong. Well, folks, the 11 o'clock number has been sung and the bows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. Once again, a big thanks to my panel. Rob Neal, Artistic Director of the New York Neo-Futurists, Melissa Moshito, Artistic Director of The Anthropologists, Larry Little, Producing Artistic Director of CPA Theatricals, Terry Knickerbocker, Owner and Studio Director of Terry Knickerbocker Studio, Heather Cunningham, Producing Artistic Director of Retro Productions Theatre Company, Andressa Ferletti, Artistic Director and Co-Founder of Group.br, and Deborah Ballardini, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Group.br. You can find more episodes of Your Program is Your Ticket on the Broadway Podcast Network, who has honored me with a place on their incredible theater podcasting platform. Broadway Podcast Network is all about creating an engaging, immersive, user-friendly experience where theater stories of all kinds can be easily found, shared, and enjoyed. Please visit them on my landing page at bpn.fm slash ypiyt. Again, that's bpn.fm slash ypiyt. Your program is your ticket is also on Facebook at facebook.com. Your program is your ticket. I'm on Twitter at, at program ticket, Instagram at program ticket. Also on Apple podcasts under the Broadway podcast network page. In addition, I'm on Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, 
Podbean, Pocket Casts, Deezer, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and the UK-based theater platform Thespy. FYI, I appreciate all good ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. Folks, take a little time to visit theater websites and see what they have to offer. We're still transitioning through and out of this pandemic, and they can use your support. Watch their content, give them all great ratings and reviews, and most importantly, donate, donate, donate. It's the fastest way you can help them. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until our next show, so long, theater people, and curtain. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.